0: And welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen and the lost city, more like the found box office. <laughs> Joining me today is Jeff Kanata.
1: I'm Jeff Kanata. And I'm also tired of my fans constantly asking me to remove my shirt.
0: <laughs> and joining us today, she is a film and TV critic at Fox Digital and the co-host of the Roll Calling podcast, filling in for Devendra Hardwar, Caroline Sita. I'm not
2: certified in CPR or CrossFit, but I do
0: have snacks. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Caroline, we are so grateful for you joining us tonight as we are going to review The Lost City today here on the podcast, uh, but you're here because you're filling in for beloved co-host Davindra Hardwar, who is notably absent this week because he had a baby.
3: Yay!
1: <laughs> Congrats. Wonderful. Uh, I can't babe- wait to hear the whole story of this, Dave, because what we got via text was that there it was almost a highway birth.
0: That is correct. Whoa. That is correct. I cannot wait for the main episode slash After Dark in which that story is described. Um, but <laughs> Devinder Hardwar is going to be back in a couple of weeks. He's going to take some time off um, to spend with uh, mom and baby. Apparently, mom and baby are doing well. Alexander Hardwar, a Beautiful. new uh, creature in this world that will be inculcated I'd... with Devinder's points of view. I don't think uh, creature is what you want to use. No, I think that's the right term. I think <laughs> that's the right term. In any case, congratulations. Uh, to Davindra and his lovely, rival, uh, his lovely wife Raquel um huge news huge deal huge addition to the film cast family um we are so thrilled if you and, if and you don't the,
1: follow Davindra on Twitter you're missing out on some adorable baby photos indeed
0: indeed um and uh, so yeah he's going to be off for a couple of weeks and we're so grateful uh Caroline stepping up and uh, and filling in for Davindra in the meantime um so caroline i I think um when it basically whenever one of us has a health issue or a baby (laughs) that's when caroline steps in yeah that's uh, what i'm here for yeah so really appreciate it uh of course today on the podcast we got a few things we're going to talk about first of all we are going to talk about the oscars uh lots to discuss both in terms of the ceremony or in, in terms of the ceremony the awards as well as the moment that's everyone everyone's discussing uh today Uh, We also got some what we've been watching for you, some weekly plugs. We're going to move on into our in-depth review of The Lost City. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Recommend stuff for us to watch using hashtag slash tag. And support this podcast at patreon.com slash film podcast. All right. Let's talk about the Oscars. Two to three episodes a year, we talk about awards shows and awards and stuff like that, and the Oscars happens to be one of them because it's basically the biggest deal in terms of awards for movies. What are the other ones? Uh, well, I think we sometimes talk about the Golden Globes and the Emmys, you know. Oh, okay, um, right, on occasion, enough. yeah. But uh, you know, I uh, I personally don't uh, spend a lot of time thinking about awards, but you know, once once a year, I think is an appropriate amount of time.
1: It's an amazing. Transition that I will note in my own life, because the Oscars used to be a huge deal for me.
0: Huge deal, I not just would... huge for society. For society, you know, yeah, so. I guess.
1: I mean, I can only speak to myself personally, but <laughs> I don't know what changed in particular. But I, I have stopped caring about them. I, but I, I used to. I mean, I wouldn't schedule anything on that Sunday at all. I would craft my entire weekend around it. It was sacrosanct. And now I didn't I it really just feels I don't I don't know what I don't know if I changed or the event changed or culture changed or what, but I I have I have soured on the entire process. Mm.
2: I've been kind of like low-key working on a theory that maybe the peak time to enjoy the Oscars is kind of when you're a kid or a teen or a young adult. And it's that, like
1: Saturday Night Live.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's this feeling we all have that the Oscars aren't good anymore. It's because we are just wanting them to be how we perceived them in our childhood when we we didn't know what the cool movies were to be. You know, it was just like the right. Oscars told us what the cool movies were. Now we're yeah. like, I can't believe they didn't nominate this. It's like, yeah, we didn't notice that because we were 12 when we were watching. Yeah, them I hadn't
0: seen seven out of the 10 movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, The Ankler recently did a series chronicling. What has happened to the Oscars? And in two thousand four, uh, h- hard to remember, but in two thousand four, Lord of the Rings: Return of the King won for Best Picture, and forty three point five million people uh, watched the Oscars that year, uh, which is a staggering number. Uh, I think last for the for comparison, last year it was around ten million, and we I don't think at this point we know the numbers from last night yet. So. Uh, by I the heard time- uh,
1: it was up 56% from last year, but last year was a record low. Yeah. So it's yeah. actually the second lowest still.
0: Yes. So, and uh, there are many reasons why the uh, ratings might have been up this year. Uh, and we'll, we'll get to them in a little bit. Well, I think it but maybe
1: spiked at one certain moment.
0: It's pre- it's possible.
1: It's
2: possible. <laughs> yeah, of course. It was the Flash entering the Speed Force was when yeah, everyone turned exactly. on their TVs. Everyone was
0: like, what, the Flash? <laughs> everyone why was like, got to see the, uh, yeah, we'll, well, we'll get to it. So. Uh, all right so the Oscars there's there's a couple things I want to discuss first of all let's talk about the ceremony itself so uh, Caroline and I both watched the Oscars and uh, live covered it in some degree and I'm curious Caroline what did you think overall of the this year's ceremony as as a televised event. What did you think of the Oscars? This
2: year? Mm-hmm. There was a lot of controversy going into this year. I think particularly because they made this choice to move, I think eight of the behind the lines, behind the scenes categories to a sort of pre-show and edit stuff in. I think a lot of very filmy people were sort of going in against this year's Oscars, but I really tried not to take that approach. I was like, they're trying something new. It could be horrible. It could be great. Let's go in open-minded and see how it is. And I actually think for maybe like the first 15 minutes or so, I was like, this could be good. The Beyonce performance I enjoyed, the three hosts coming out I thought was fun. Um, And then as the night went on, I felt like it just sort of slowly devolved into these very random, (laughs) barely held together bits Mm -hmm. that then of course culminated in the moment that we will get to (laughs) involving Will Smith. And how that derailed the show. But I think in the end, the I went in open-minded and the Oscars made the case that this was not the way that they should be done in the future. I, and I think they made that pretty definitively.
0: I 100% feel like your thoughts mirror mine almost exactly, right? Which is basically that there was a huge outcry against this on Twitter – Um, Some people actually resigned from the Academy, like they quit the Academy because of this, because they moved eight uh, below the line categories uh, to the pre-show. So categories like best editing and best production design, they moved to before the show itself. Then during the main telecast, they showed edited versions of the speeches from that uh, that segment. Uh, I was not inherently opposed to it because here's the thing as we've discussed oscar ratings are dying right they're going into the toilet the uh, academy in many ways is start, is consigning itself to irrelevancy and so you you have to do things to shake things up and so i understand you, you got to try a lot and that, in fact that's basically the theme of this year's oscars is try everything mm-hmm. try everything is what they did this year and so um i wasn't inherently opposed to it but when you ended up seeing what they replaced it with That's the problem. Uh, The point of moving those speeches uh, before the show was to try to bring this thing in at under three hours. The thing went way longer than even it was last year. It was like three hours and 40 minutes. So it was like, okay, well, you completely defeated the point of that. Not to mention that many of the awards that were shuffled to prior to the show uh, were for Dune. Dune won multiple awards, and it was by far the most successful movie that was nominated this year. So that sucked. Plus Riz Ahmed uh, won an award. And it's like, who, who doesn't want to see Riz Ahmed on stage, on stage giving an awesome speech? Um, which, he, again, you got to see during the main telecast, but an edited down version of it. But it just felt like uh, overall, I would say these were Oscars that A, didn't really love movies that much. And B, didn't really have a good handle on what made for a good Oscars telecast. Uh, so I agree with you that moving the BTL Awards before the show was kind of a disaster. Are you guys um,
1: familiar with the uh, the city planning, sort of metropolitan design ethos that says, uh, you know, if you expand the freeway, traffic will increase yes, to exactly. fill th- That It's basically the same principle with...
0: Perfect analogy, yes. yes.
1: Yeah. It, you know, it's, it, we have three hours. We can go over... They're going to fill it. It, it, it. There's no like, oh, well, we'll do some awards off this. It doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't well, matter. The traffic yeah. will increase to fill the capacity.
0: A hundred percent. And the problem with moving categories like best editing, you know, best editing. It's, it's kind of shameful to move it before the show because editing is the one category that is unique to film. Right. It is what makes movies movies beyond anything else. It's the, it's the one category you can't have at like the Tony's, you know? Yeah. But
1: no editors are famous, Dave.
0: Oh yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. I should, I should have realized that, but yeah. So it it sucks. But then Jeff, the thing is because they made that decision, you're now evaluating everything that did make it into the show with a harsher lens. Right. It's like, okay, this is what we're watching instead of Riz Ahmed accepting an award. Um, And what we were watching, I have to say, was absolutely bizarre. Mm -hmm. Absolutely bizarre. So here are some things that happened during the Oscars last night. (laughs) A 30th anniversary celebration of White Men Can't Jump, uh, which is to say they brought up some of the actors from White Men Can't Jump to present an award. The 28th anniversary of Pulp Fiction? Do we, do we yeah, celebrate 28-year anniversaries?
1: Everybody celebrates 28. 28, <laughs> you know, of course, is the copper anniversary. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all the copper manufacturers go crazy <laughs> during 28th anniversary season.
0: Uh, th- Probably the most bizarre thing was uh, three extreme sports people, including Tony Hawk, getting up on stage to present a retrospective for James Bond uh which yeah,
1: cuz James
0: Bond is extreme dude well they they tried to make the case that he was the original extreme sports guy
2: and then there was also something about he's the goat or which James Bond is the goat and then which of us sports people we're also goats it was all very like metaphor laden and three people who could not deliver banter to save their lives. Guys,
1: I I don't think you guys understand the kids because the kids love skateboarding and Mm -hmm. nothing says kids like bringing up a 50-year-old skateboarding (laughs) legend that few people in their... 20s and teens could possibly pick out of a line.
0: Well, I, I think Tony Hawk is still relevant, but you got Tony Hawk no, Kelly dude, Slater. Have you, have, you,
1: have you read his his Twitter feed? His his Twitter feed, he is amazing. I yes, love no, I Tony agree. Hawk. That's what I'm saying. His Twitter feed is all about how people <laughs> think <laughs> he's other people, or yeah, that's true. That's miss true. don't know who he is, or like it's it is hilarious. He's very uh he's very self effacing. Self
0: Self-deprec- yeah, self-deprecating.
1: Very funny, yeah. very funny. So but yeah,
0: Tony Tony Hawk, Kelly Slater, and Sean White. Yeah, presented this uh, James Bond retrospective, which was w- w- probably way worse than most YouTube video essays out there. Like it, it <laughs> just was very it was a really lame uh, video essay. You know, well, video cut. Uh, what do you call it? The super cuts. Mm-hmm. You know? Don't
1: you think that if you have the platform of the Oscars and you're going to do the James <laughs> Bond retrospective, you end it by announcing the new James Bond?
0: Yeah, or or something like, and, and leading into thing, the Jeff.
2: Billie Eilish performance of the James Bond song that she was nominated for, which yeah. did not come. Then came like an hour later in the broadcast. <laughs> it it in felt, a felt like there was James no Bond organization,
0: section. right? Like, why wouldn't they pair those things together? It, you're right; it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Also, there was no one really from James Bond at the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Carrie Fukunaga is volunteering overseas. Um, Daniel Craig is doing. Uh, Macbeth on broadway i believe you know so like they, they couldn't get any people from uh, james bond there well, you even know, though judy dench was there so like why didn't they bring her on stage? it doesn't <laughs> yeah. she died dude
1: her hey, yeah. character died i don't know I mean,
0: <laughs> so, a dead judy character judy Day. dench died during the oscar ceremony <laughs> yeah. so anyway you the don't whole need thing to bring up bizarre. anybody
1: from the james bond franchise
0: when you have freaking kelly slater dude <laughs> it's so true it's so true uh, and so there was just kind of this thick era of desperation throughout the whole thing right just it just felt you felt kind of like you had to take a shower even prior to the slap it felt very weird uh, and that was nowhere better encapsulated than with the uh, the unveiling of the Twitter vote so this year there were a couple of uh, things that the academy asked people to vote on on Twitter to try to try to get the youths you see to try to get the yeah. youths interested in the uh, in the awards ceremony, tuning in, you see.
1: If there's one thing that young people love, it's voting.
0: Yes, <laughs> for sure, for sure, it's their favorite activity, especially on Twitter. But uh, so th- they said, "Hey, what is the most cheer-worthy moment in movie history? The most cheer-worthy moment." In, movie, in history. movie history, in the 100 plus years of <laughs> cinema, that is correct.
1: That is correct. The right. most cheerworthy, like, yes. was
2: the most incredible collection of. Oh, yes. quote unquote nominee. <laughs> like to see, it felt like this entire thing was a fever dream. Like it starts yeah. with the bullet time from the Matrix. You're like, yes. great, that makes great. total the great, sense. Great, uh,
0: amazing choice, amazing Perfect choice. Bullet choice. time from the Matrix, completely defensible, right? Then yeah. we
2: go into. And I'm telling you, I'm not going from Dreamgirls. <laughs> You're like, yeah. kind of a weird swerve, but also legitimately good yeah, scene. Legitimately an, an Oscar. awesome
0: moment. Yes, great. Okay,
2: that yes. makes sense. Then we're going to the portal scene from Avengers Endgame.
0: Okay, I'm with like, you so far. Yes, kind yes. Kind of yes. a
2: stretch, but like, yeah, big cheerworthy moment for sure. Then next was the Spider-Man reuniting from Spider-Man No Way Home.
0: Yep, yep, like, yep that yep, happened okay. like two All months right. ago. I can see that happening. I can sure. see that happening. <laughs> and yeah, it, it just means- so happens that the number two most cheerworthy moment in movie history uh, happened in the last three months. I, and it's yep. also
2: from a Marvel movie, even though the one before that was also a Marvel movie that featured Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, and I don't know if then, maybe know a
0: little bit of recency bias going on, but you know, I understand. Okay, yep. Before yep.
1: the MCU, nobody cheered in movies. It's,
2: it's fair. Fair point.
0: Fair point. And then what was the, pray tell, what was number one, Caroline? Sita? Well, of
2: course, naturally the most cheerworthy moment that we all shared alone in our um, homes <laughs> after a four hour mo- uh, movie that we watched on HBO Max, which was the Flash uh, breaking through the speed force. What was it? The Flash entering the oh, speed yeah. force in the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. The, oh, man. Truly, you I mean, guys, what is more cheerworthy than that?
1: I'll never forget <clears> leaping <throat> up in my house and my wife saying honey what why are you screaming and applauding off the couch at waking the children and i said i don't know if you know this honey but this is the most cheerworthy moment in the
0: history of cinema
2: i don't even think that's the most cheerworthy moment in that movie you know what I mean? like how did they even settle on that
0: I am told that that montage went over like a wet fart in the actual theater itself. Like it, they played it and everyone's like, OK, and they moved on all that. You know, there's a there's a line in Avengers Endgame where Thanos says all that for a drop of blood. And it's like this whole, you know, uh, we're, do, we're doing a big moment. Twitter can vote, blah, 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 blah. All that for like a literally like a 30 second montage during the show that no one gave a crap about. It felt just like, wow, like because like, you, you didn't have to you didn't have to structure it that way. Right. You could have like made a whole big deal out of it and like introduced it in a big way. But I think they knew once they launched this idea that they they had a loser on their hands. And so they're just <laughs> like, let's just get a, get this over with as quickly as possible. So, yeah. Anyway,
1: just so. So let's just, you know, point out. Not a single Rocky movie made the cheerworthy I moment. I mean, not a single not a, movie
2: before 1999 made the list. Not, yeah, not.
1: <laughs> I, I am Spartacus. I am Spartacus. I am, you know like there's some big there's some big ones I think that are pretty big cheer moments mm-hmm. in a in a in, oh, whatever
0: anyway. Well, was, you know, Ar- Army of the Dead did also make the other Twitter poll. Um, so it was number one in the other Twitter poll. So like, it just so happens that like Zack Snyder has two of the best movies according to the internet. Uh, yeah, by coincidence. I mean maybe, maybe yeah. Army of the Dead clip should have ended up in the cheerworthy moment, you know what I'm saying? Sure. So yeah,
1: I definitely remember that.
0: What a victory
1: <laughs> for streaming services to say that, mm. that the cheerworthy moment happened in solitude during COVID.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. All right, well, we have much more to say about the Oscars, uh, but we're going to take a break and be right back in a moment.
1: This episode of The Filmcast is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showing exceptional films. From around the globe. Every single day, movie premieres a new film. From iconic directors to emerging auteurs, there's always something new to discover. With movie each and every film is hand-selected. It's like your own personal film festival, streaming anytime, anywhere. Let me tell you about some of the films of the day. The film of the day for March 19th. The producers, Mel Brooks original, the producers from 1967, not, not the musical, not the movie based on the musical, the original producers. If you haven't seen it, get in there to movie, check it out. How about March 20th's movie, Jesus Camp from 2006, man, what a powerful documentary that is. How about March 27th's movie? Amores Peros. Have you not seen Amores Peros from 2000? Alejandro Inarritu's film from 2000. Incredible movie. These are the kind of movies that are handpicked. Every single one, a banger. Because MUBI doesn't rely on algorithms. It's human beings. And you can try MUBI free for 30 days at MUBI.com slash filmcast. That's MUBI.com slash filmcast for a whole month of great cinema for free. Mubi is curated. It shows exceptional films from around the globe. Get out of the rut of just seeing American movies. Open your mind. See what these curators believe are the essence of great cinema. Every single day, a new film. Timeless classics. Award-winning masterpieces. Festival fresh gems. Mubi.com slash filmcast for a month free.
0: All right, so we've been talking about the ceremony and overall, it was pretty rough. Uh, it Again, it had kind of this air of desperation and just complete randomness. I think probably the moment when I started to become undone was when Troy Kotzer, won for Best Supporting Actor for his performance in CODA, gave the most moving speech of the night or one of the maybe top three most moving speeches of the night. There were several several other speeches that were very good as well. And then Chris Evans pops on the screen and he's like, boy, Troy Kotzer, what a win. Good job. Here's a trailer for Lightyear. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, no, the it heck? sounds
2: like you're exaggerating what happened, but that is a verbatim
0: reenactment yes. and of exactly like, what, what happened. the fuck? Like, what are you doing? You know, and. Uh, you know what? It,
1: it, That's it, probably Chris Evans reading the prompter and going, I'm not fucking saying that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm not even joking. I, I, he probably had he probably had scripted language to introduce the Lightyear trailer and said that feels so dissonant after what we just witnessed. I have to at least acknowledge how beautiful that was. Well, the thing well, it, was a, it was a,
2: sure a it was a
0: pre-recorded it was a pre-recorded, oh, duck, which but. makes
2: me oh, okay. wonder: yeah, did he record one for every potential I think person so. that I could think win? So,
0: I don't think he would have known who won, so he probably recorded <laughs> one. He wouldn't have Amazing. known that Troy Kotzer was going to give a, an incredibly. Powerful, tear-jerking speech, and that would make his here. Here's a trailer for Lightyear seem incredibly dissonant. As yeah. Know, right. So, but it doesn't doesn't matter. I don't blame Chris Evans, but it's just like uh, Disney slash ABC pretty shameless in promoting its own wares throughout the entire evening. So, for sure, Chris
1: Evans part of one of the most cheerworthy moments in cinema history.
0: <laughs> it's true. They had synergy, as yeah. Jeff conado might say, synergy. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's talk about, so that's the ceremony, which uh, actually, one other thing I want to say is I really liked, uh, Amy Schumer taking people down a notch, like from the Ricky Gervais school of comedy. Like part of the reason that I tune into the Oscars is, is to hear celebrities get made fun of, you know, that's honestly one of the reasons. And, uh, Amy Schumer did a pretty good job. My favorite joke of the night, um, <laughs> I guess Academy members don't look up movie reviews. That was good. I enjoyed that. That was 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 pretty funny. That was very good, yeah. So anyway, uh, mixed bag, but overall pretty rough from a ceremony perspective. Let's talk about the actual awards themselves. I would say the biggest deal of the evening was Coda winning Best Picture. This is the first streaming service to win Best Picture. Uh, Netflix has spent literally billions of dollars over the last, I don't know, decade trying to win Best Picture, has never succeeded. Apple TV Plus launches within the last three years. They scoop up the Sundance movie. They've won. It's pretty incredible as a success story. Uh, and yeah, that that uh, it, it just, it, it, it's a monumental achievement that a movie that had basically $0 in box office uh, won Best Picture this year at the Oscars. I, I feel like it, it's kind of like a before and after moment for a variety of reasons. But anyway... Uh, I, that is certainly worth noting. Overall, there's very few surprises. Like a lot of the things that people were predicting would win, actually won. Uh, I am curious, Caroline, were there any that you were particularly gratified by, or that you thought like that was a good win?
2: You know, I was really thrilled for Ariana DeBose. I, I think, I mean, I was on the West Side Story episode and i'm sure i talked there how much i loved her performance as anita but i thought that was such a well-deserved win and she was totally expected to win and i you know you you could tell she had a a a well-prepared speech but like in the best sense like she was really good at being concise but celebratory and acknowledging the moment and that was the first award of the night that was in that little whatever 15 to 20 minute chunk where i was like maybe this will be good maybe this will be good she kind (laughs) of got in there Mm -hmm, Uh, so mm -hmm. she was a real highlight for me
0: yeah um Jeff any uh, any winners to stick out to you from last night?
1: Well, I I I have a hard time uh caring about these awards anymore, honestly, and it it makes me feel bad, makes me feel bad.
0: Mhm. Uh, so, well, I know you're a big fan of Coda and there was a very, there was a very, uh, challenging review uh, that we had with Walter Chaw who brought some, brought up some great points. I, I feel bad that you were kind of shamed out of your original thoughts on Coda, to be honest, Jeff, because I think you yeah, really I mean, like that was, movie,
1: I, right? I, I, Yeah, I, I a lot of, uh, folks, uh, in, in the deaf community seem to be very, um, very enthusiastic about it winning about uh, troy Kotzer winning and um so i don't i don't know what to think about that anymore i i i, I thought it was a lovely little movie but uh, i was i was told that i was wrong <laughs> so i don't i don't know i don't know what to think anymore
2: i'm somewhere in the middle i think code is a very sweet little movie it probably wouldn't have been on my list of like best movies of the year but i also think it was very charming to see it win and just see like a little movie win, you know, like a little Sundance indie that really held on for the entire year, and then into a big chunk of 2022 as well.
1: It's the first Sundance movie to win, right? Sundance
2: acquisition. Wasn't Little Miss Sunshine was. Oh yeah, Did that win?
0: I, I, I don't think Little Miss Sunshine won Best Picture. Okay. Maybe um, not. Maybe
2: I'm really losing my mind.
0: Yeah. Um, I could be
1: wrong about that, but I, I thought I read that it was the first uh, Sundance maybe film it, to win Best I Picture. I think actually
0: you're right about that. Actually, I think you're right about Little Miss Sunshine. Um, But uh, it was, it, no, no, uh, it was nominated for Best Picture, um, but it did not win. So yeah, I think it's it's either the first or one of the first movies to have debuted at Sundance and then go all the way to Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Uh, which is a huge accomplishment. Uh, other wins that were notable. Dune picked up a ton of awards, best editing, uh, best score. Hans Zimmer won best score for the first time in several decades. Uh, that was really awesome. Drive my car won for best uh, international film, which is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was disappointed that flea was shut out. Flea was nominated for best documentary, best animated film and best international feature. Did not win any of those. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Um, which is a shame because I think that more people need to watch Flea because it's a very important message for the world that we're living in right now. Um, So, yeah. And then it was notable that Netflix got almost completely shut out. They won, uh, Jane Campion won for The Power of the Dog, and that's it. Um, So the Eyes of Tammy Faye won more Academy Awards than Netflix did the entire evening. Um, Pretty rough stuff. Pretty rough stuff.
2: Here's my hot take, though. I kind of like The Eyes of Tammy Faye. I was not mad about that Jessica Chastain win.
0: Uh, I mean, I heard she's great in the movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I have not seen it. I have not seen it. Uh, Okay. So those are the awards. Mostly pretty good movies got awards. You know, there's very few movies that got awards that it's like uh, I I greatly object to it. Um, So, yeah, overall a fine list of movies, a fine list of awards. Let's talk about what happened. So, a couple hours into the event.
2: <laughs> I can't believe imagine, it took us this long imagine, to get here.
1: Imagine giving the wrong, aw- giving the wrong movie best picture <laughs> and not, not being the craziest movie moment y- y- in y- Oscar history. Yes. Anymore. I mean,
0: I, I think that it was, you know, we we had we had witnessed that live, right? Like, I, I don't know if you watched that, Jeff, if you are still watching back then, but yeah. I was watching it live and it was oh, yeah. wild. I, was, I felt like I was watching something that had never happened before.
1: Well, you feel, I, I remember in that moment feeling like, well, this is the craziest thing that could possibly happen at the Academy Awards. Yes. And yes. then this year happened.
0: So I don't even know where to begin. I'll, I'll describe my experience of watching it, right? Which is that, Chris Rock gets on stage to do a little crowd work before he presents the award for best documentary, which by the way, went to uh, Questlove quest love and summer of soul, which is which really is cool. Such a good movie. Um, and he, he's doing some crowd work and he makes a comment about Jada Pinkett Smith's haircut. Um, Jada Pinkett Smith has suffered from alopecia in the past. She's been very public about her journey with hair loss. Uh, and i'm sure it must be very painful for her so he may, and he made a joke about her being in gi jane 2 which by the way was the second time in the night that someone took a shit on a uh, tried to take a shit on a ridley scott movie uh last yeah. duel earlier in the evening as well Why i didn't... guess people at the oscars just don't like ridley scott that much anymore
1: like ridley scott didn't slap anybody
0: yeah uh and so w- will smith appeared to laugh. the thing is like weird will smith appeared to laugh at first then it cuts away and then you see Will Smith get up on stage and approach Chris Rock in a very it's not clear what he's doing, right? Is he going to do a little bit with Chris Rock? Is he going to like hug him? Is he going to hurt him in some way? And then he slaps Chris Rock in the face. And you hear it. Apparently like people in the uh, in the audience like heard it. It was very loud and palpable, could be picked up on the mic. And then he walks back and sits down. And he says, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth uh, two times. And what I understand is that when he got on stage and slapped Chris Rock, like people were still kind of like laughing, like, oh, maybe this is funny and like this is part of a bit perhaps. But then when he said, keep, your, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth, that's when like people really shut up and it would like became dead silent uh, because it became very clear that it was not a bit. The audio completely cut out on the main feed and
1: only in America.
0: In America and in you know Japan and Australia. Before the yelling about the wife. It aired unedited. And so we had to go to Twitter to like see the unedited thing to even reconstruct what I just told you. Uh, uh,
1: the reading of the lips was not difficult.
0: Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I mean, in an
1: homage to Coda, I suppose. Yes, it's true. It was <laughs> it reading was, lips. <laughs> it was
0: not difficult to understand exactly what he was saying. So, and then I think, uh, I, 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 like, I don't know about you, Caroline, but it was very rattling, you know, because here is a man, Will Smith, uh, at one point, one of the biggest movie stars on the planet, who has spent decades carefully cultivating his image, mm-hmm. L- literally has spoken about how he engineered his career for maximum popularity, right? Like, took roles that he knew would lead to the most appeal possible.
1: Uh, and, and one one could argue his win for King Richard is entirely built on that goodwill. Yes, yes, for sure. And like this... It is, this, it is sort of a cumulative award for will smith as the person not not necessarily his performance in king richard per se i would argue
0: yes, yes. well i mean it was it was a solid performance but yes i i no, are saying. like many yeah. of the times uh these awards are kind of like lifetime achievement awards right yeah oscars are kind of lifetime achievement awards uh and so functionally i mean you know not not the actual lifetime achievement awards um so so then to watch him then go up on stage and assault chris rock on live on national television and then s- scream that out loud uh, was shocking, um, and you know I took to Twitter to try to figure out like what what happened, like what why did that happen, like why was he so upset? You know, try to reconstruct it. Caroline, what was your reaction when you watched it unfold? Uh,
2: I think I was equally confused but thought it was a bit for for longer (laughs) than you did like the sound I think I had happened to pause my recording right before it happened so when the sound cut out I was like oh maybe that was because I paused it I just felt confused about the whole thing and then it slowly I think you can kind of chart it in Lupita Nyong'o's face who's sitting behind Will that like this is like a very serious turn has happened and then it slowly becomes clear as chris rock gets back into it that this is not normal and you can see how completely shaken Questlove is when he gives up to gets up to give his summer of uh soul speech and so at that point i was like all i can think about now <laughs> is what's happening with will smith so this is like texting my sister who's watching it and then like you david going on twitter and trying to figure it all out and that really did become for me what the entire like last hour or so of the Oscars was, was like half watching the Oscars and half trying to piece together what had happened with Will and then anticipate what was going to happen when he was almost certainly going to win Best Actor and get up there and and give a speech in that very same room.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: So a distracted experience of the Oscars this year, for sure.
0: I think my understanding from reading multiple reports is that it was similar. the, The mood was similar inside the room as it was for many of us watching the oscars that are in you know individually or at parties or whatever that like everyone was like talking about it couldn't think about anything else it kind of cast a pall over the rest of the night um scott feinberg i thought put it really well in his write up over at the hollywood reporter Um, he wrote, quote, it is never right to resort to violence. It is never right to mock the appearance of someone's spouse in front of the world. Least of all, when the physical feature being mocked is the result of a medical condition, regardless of who you think was right or wrong in this situation, the bottom line is that nobody comes away from it looking good. And the whole thing is terribly sad because it took away from everything else that happens at a Sunday night for Smith, who went on to collect a well-deserved best actor Oscar for his career, best performance in King Richard, but was unable to enjoy the moment for the night's other winners, whose achievements were overshadowed by drama and for the Academy and ABC, which via telecast producer, Will Packer put on a largely smooth show, end quote. Uh, I kind of agree with that. It's just kind of like, it, it just is unfortunate for all involved. You know, it made me feel sad for the whole thing, there's been a whole dialogue online today on Twitter about whether Will Smith was justified in doing what he did. And some people saying, you know, if uh, if it was my wife that was being uh, harassed or made fun of in that way, I would want someone to defend me. Other people saying, like, violence is never acceptable in those circumstances. I, I-, I am just not going to weigh in on that debate right now. I think my re- reaction is just to say that uh, it-, it does feel like it did take away from what happened. And it, it felt sad to me because Will Smith is a, is, is somebody who I think many of us were rooting for, right? Like mm-hmm. many of us were rooting for him to actually win best picture for, I'm sorry, best actor for this to kind of cap off a career uh, where he spent many, many years entertaining us and trying to move us uh, and, and taking chances from a, uh, from a movie, from a movie perspective with his dramatic roles Um he has tried so hard to get this best actor Oscar it feels like with movies like Concussion and Collateral Beauty um and now King Richard and it's like he had he had finally attained that which he sought to for so many years um and I was rooting for him and then to see it kind of sullied by this moment uh it felt very sad it just felt very sad to me so that's kind of my my big reaction I should also point out that uh, he did post an apology. In the time since then, uh, he said, "Quote: Violence in all its forms is poisonous and destructive. My behavior at last night's Academy Awards was unacceptable and inexcusable. Jokes at my expense are a part of the job, but a joke about Jada's medical condition was too much for me to bear, and I reacted emotionally. I'd like to apologize to you, Chris. I was out of line, and I was wrong. I'm embarrassed, and my actions were not indicative of the man I want to be. There's no place for violence in a world of love and kindness. I'd also like to apologize to the Academy, the producers of the show, all the attendees, and everyone watching around the world. I'd like to apologize to the Williams family and my King Richard family. I." deeply regret that my behavior has stained what has otherwise been a gorgeous journey for all of us i am a work in progress sincerely will end quote so that was my reaction uh caroline i'm curious if you had any other thoughts on this
2: you know in some ways i think i've almost had the opposite journey with this wild oscar experience as they did with the la la land moonlight thing in that when the la la land moonlight switch up happened at the time I kind of found that like weird and funny and delightful and like insane in an enjoyable way. And then after the fact, I was like, oh, actually, it was really sad that Moonlight didn't quite have <laughs> their like moment of right. celebration it as have they been, should have. Mo-
0: you know, Moonlight should have been the story of that Oscars. Instead, mm-hmm. it was Moonlight and La La Line had this big chaotic thing that happened on stage, right? Yeah.
2: And so with this one, I think I've been on the opposite path, and that last night when I was watching, I also found it just like deeply upsetting for like literally everyone involved. I was like, this was just an unfortunate thing to have happened. It was unfortunate that like Will's moment happened this way. It was obviously unfortunate for Chris Rock. Like it all just felt bad and icky. But in the 24 hours or however long it's been since, like it has swung around to being surreal. In like, I don't want to say entertaining because obviously it was like still an upsetting moment, but. I think I was like just seeing parties of like Will Smith at, sorry, I was seeing photos and videos of Will Smith at after parties, after the thing, you know, and like hanging out with his family. And there was a weird sense that like, well, everyone's okay. And so I think now what's hitting me is like the surreal ridiculousness of what we all watched and like collectively tried to process. So I'm, I'm weirdly feeling more settled with this than I was with the moonlight thing somehow. I don't know how I got there. I don't know if I will stay here, but I think I mean, it's the sort of thing where if someone were to just, as a joke, be like, oh, what's the worst thing that could happen in the Oscars? Like, oh, you know, a movie star gets up there and slaps somebody in the face. Like, it sounds like something you would toss off as a joke. And the fact that we all witnessed it happen is just, yeah, fully, fully surreal is where I'm at right now.
0: Jeff, you were not watching live. I'm curious, like how you experienced this moment as somebody who didn't watch it live. Like, did you see it I on was, Twitter? Did you get texted? Like, how so did it...
1: Sunday evenings, yes. we record my video game podcast DLC, and I was—we uh, had a guest. Uh, I, my co-host and I, were fully in the process of recording that podcast. If you want to go and listen to that podcast, you will hear the moment when my <laughs> when my phone explodes. <laughs> Uh, Not because I had my phone on, you know, audio, but because it was utterly undeniable, like uh, unignorable that I, I all of a sudden started getting text messages from every person I know. Saying what just happened, what just happened? Oh my God, is this real?
0: So you didn't even understand what was going on, basically, when you right, got. I these mean,
1: texts, we right? we literally in the context of the podcast, you can listen to it. We left it in. Yeah.
0: I went, guys. Um, I just want to acknowledge
1: <laughs> the fact that it sounds like Will Smith <laughs> just slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars. So I just yeah. wanted to acknowledge the fact that it, we're all because like everybody was looking at their phones. Like Christian Spicer, our guest Andrea Renee, everybody was looking at their phones because people were texting us going are you guys watching this what's happening (laughs) yeah um so that i mean yeah that was a it it was a weird thing and immediately became like what's what's going on and of course that entire night you know the world went upside down now i don't want to overstate this and i don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill but i do think caroline you say we are in you know it it was a it felt surreal and. Mm -hmm we are un i think undeniably in surreal times and i have a hard time not contextualizing this in the last what 5 years where everything seems surreal and i think what that what will smith's action is an example of is something that we are seeing happen over and over and over again in a variety of contexts and that is a complete breakdown of social norms, right? Will Smith did something that should not happen. It is a complete breaking of every tacit agreement we have as a society, right? This is supposed to be people in their best clothes (laughs) acting like royalty you know on, on their absolute best behavior this is supposed to be a moment of walking down a red carpet and say, saying honorable speeches and honoring this craft and and all of the elevated things where we as a you know as as movie fans but also as a culture look to these stars and we see aspirational aspects of our own of our own lives which is one of the reasons as a kid I loved the Oscars so much, right? Because I dreamed. I dreamed about taking my mom to the Oscars, you know? I would be nominated and I would take my mom. and, And he just broke all of those social norms, which, again, I don't mean to overstate, but it is hard not to think about January 6th and countless other things that have happened in the last five years where we, as a people, see folks doing the thing that just, you just can't wrap your head around. It's just, it it is not acceptable. Standing in front of uh, the world and lying when it is, you know, completely provable that you are lying. These things that are just shattering social norms and we have all of a sudden have to rectify that in some way. Layered on top of it is this social media world that we live in where we all comment on it. We all relate to it. We all memify it. We all are. There are opinions that become a debate where every single person on the planet can weigh in Honestly, you know, like I said, at the risk of overstating it, it really, to me, feels like a symptom of a much bigger tumor, a much bigger problem that is metastasizing in our culture, that is really, really bad, and I don't know what to do about it. Um, I mean, it is one singular moment where a single person did something outrageous. But that is the world we live in. Outrageous is the norm now. It is the reality TVification of all life. And I don't like it. I don't like what it does to people. I don't like how it silos us. And we have to, you have to be team Smith or team you know not acceptable or whatever you want to say it, everybody it, it is i think it is really cancerous to our society how these social norms these these accepted behaviors people are just realizing oh you can trample on them and there are no consequences there are no consequences not to say i'm arguing for consequences against will smith i'm saying on a on a meta level on a on a macro level I think we as a culture are realizing you can do whatever the fuck you want and there's no consequences. Again, don't want to overstate, but that well, that's the well, feeling that I, I come away with, unfortunately.
0: have a few more thoughts to share, but let's take a break. Thank one of our sponsors. We'll be right back with more about the Oscars.
1: Hey, I want to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, NordVPN. Do you use a VPN? Think about using a VPN. It's useful. You want to shield your data from snoops and criminals? NordVPN shields your IP address and secures your online traffic with state-of-the-art encryption. You can safely listen to podcasts like this one, stream shows, or simply browse in complete privacy. You can secure every device you own. It works with every major operating system. NordVPN can be... On Windows, Mac OS, Linux, Android, iOS, you can connect up to six devices separately with just one subscription or simply set up NordVPN on your router to protect your whole household. Maybe you want to listen to shows abroad. Don't leave your shows behind when you go. Connect to a NordVPN server in your home country and safely enjoy content as if you never left wherever you travel. There's so many reasons to use a VPN and NordVPN is the fastest VPN on the planet with over 5400 servers worldwide and the game-changing NordLynx protocol, NordVPN lets you stay safe online without slowing down. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com/filmcast or use the code filmcast. To get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus one additional month for free, plus a bonus gift. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's NordVPN, n-o-r-d-v-p-n dot com slash filmcast.
0: Uh, I don't know if I share your interpretation, Jeff. I think a lot of people pointed out after the show, like. Um, this is probably not the worst thing that's happened during an Oscars, even during an Oscars ceremony. Um, there's widely shared footage in 1973 of Native American actor, Sasheen Littlefeather, who is booed and mocked, um, and almost physically assaulted by John Wayne, uh, just for asking that indigenous people not be dehumanized. Uh, And obviously the Oscars has had a very challenging relationship with, or very um, troubling relationship with uh, problematic men over the years, right? People like uh, Harvey Weinstein and Roman Polanski and uh, Woody Allen and so on. um, Even after uh, their crimes were widely known. And so I I just, I don't know, like to me, a more... um, uh, my interpretation, insofar as I have any, is that you know I did a Twitter space about this this uh, event after the after the Oscars, and uh, somebody in the space brought up how like in general right now tensions are high, yeah. uh, amongst everyone. We're seeing like skyrocketing yeah. level of assaults of like flight attendants, um, yeah. random people are assaulting Asian point. Americans on the streets. You know, this like this is
1: my point. I think everybody's, what I retweeted, somebody tweeted, uh, it's it's proof that everybody's on the verge of a nervous breakdown right now.
0: Yeah, I think that's a little bit different than this idea that there's like no more norms though. I think well, one is that we are all really worn out by all the challenges the society has thrown at us. And the other is like, anything's okay, which I th- it's just a different point in my opinion. Well, so, it's also
1: not the point that I'm saying it's the worst thing that happened in the in the history of the Oscars. You put those words in my mouth, which is not, not at all what I was saying, um, I I I don't th- I I'm not trying to argue that it's the worst thing that happened in the history of, of the Oscars or it's worse than this or X Y or Z. Yeah,
0: I'm I, I, sorry if I ascribed that to you. I was just trying to say that like um, this is not a ceremony that has had like a flawless past. Is all I was trying to say. Certainly not. So yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it, it, I just think it is. It is a. It, it 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 appears to me to be a symptom of something larger that seems to be happening across our culture right now. And even the reaction to it, to me, is worrisome. Um, and I, I agree with you guys, it's, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate on a number of levels. But the the, the bigger problem to me is, and the reason I, I framed it the way I did, I think, is that no one knew what to do. Like, Will Smith just went back and sat in his chair and waited to... His, except his oscar like the no one knew what how to handle that it was it it's absurd that people were just like okay and the winner is will smith and let's just all ignore the fact that the previous thing happened it's it's just there's minutes, literally no
0: minutes later like within yes. minutes uh, and, and it was a bizarre surreal experience right um that but, it was it was it, barely it, even acknowledged you know like it was not even like and don't you people, think
1: there's a yeah. problem with that that's like I, I i don't like i'm not saying i know what to do but it, but i think it's an example of the record scratching to such an extent that it it literally there's no understanding of even what's appropriate because the norms have been broken, so it's and I think we're—like st- I said, I think we're seeing that over and over and over again in our culture.
0: I would agree that I think that what we witnessed was this extremely human desire for things to just keep going on as normal. You know, like, the show must—and particularly in Hollywood, where there's the mantra of the show must go on, it just was—it it just— it's so weird that like it it happened. And then people are just like, okay, I guess, I guess we're going to just keep going with this thing. You know, like this is not going to stop. We're not going to like pause the show and say like, Hey, like that was, you know, or it just, is just, it's, it's weird. It's weird that that's what went down. That's what was expected. So anyway, definitely one of the most unhinged moments in live television history. Imagine
1: Uh, if Chris Rock had retaliated in some way. Been I a think Chris scuffle. Rock,
0: Chris Rock handled himself I- I- extremely professionally given the circumstances. Um, do you I know kind of, who else
2: really emerged well was was Diddy was <laughs> Sean Combs? Yes, he he kind of came out. It felt like a moment when a host should come out and do something. But yes, the, the order of operations was just like the next presenter came out and it was Diddy, and he like <laughs> he so yes. calmly smoothed it over. Yeah. He was yep. like, "That was weird. We're gonna like address that privately." Um, we're going to proceed with love. And now I'm going to very seamlessly introduce a Godfather montage. And I was like, damn, for a person that is not trained in the skill of like hosting a live TV show, that was as good as anyone could have done at, at smoothing that over in some capacity.
0: It did help to diffuse attention so, for sure. Um, so, yeah, good good on him. But I think the, you know, overall a, a memorable night of television, a very unfortunate night. I, the, the one other thought that came to mind was. I just have to marvel at kind of y- you have to imagine the challenges that Will Smith has had as a person. and jeff, i don't I don't know if you follow any of his like he's put a lot of his personal life out on the internet over the last few years. Um, and a lot of his struggles, uh, particularly with his marriage, uh, you know he has a YouTube channel. he has Instagram, and so he's he's really like sharing of his life with the public these days. And it must require an extraordinary amount of control and fortitude to do what he has and to maintain the image that he has for such an extended period of time. Uh, And to do all that for decades and then to have that break literally minutes away from one of the culminating moments of your entire lifetime is just... Uh, it's, it boggles the mind. I, it, I, you yeah, know, it, it feels it, very it, tragic to me, um, and I, I, I do I do not think it is okay to assault someone on live national television. That is not okay. We should not condone it. But I felt really sad for him in that moment. Um, I suppose I, yeah.
1: I don't know what he could possibly have been thinking. It it did it does not seem to me to be to have been sort of a um, an emotional sort of. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's emotion there, but it, it, I don't know. It, it, the, he, I thought he was
0: I, overcome with emotion. That was my interpretation, but he felt it looked like he was overcome with emotion. It, it, it might have come off as like calculated when he walked up on stage, but I think he had he had clearly lost his composure at that point.
1: Well, clearly, he had lost his composure, but I, I yeah. just don't. I don't understand how you can lose the context of being on one of the most watched television programs of the year. Right. I mean, well, and, you and, have to and,
0: assume that there's something deeper and more troubling going on there I At suppose. Least that's, you know yeah, I suppose. and or uh and or he's just a guy defending his wife you know people have different interpretations of it yeah but either way uh it is the story that dominated the night and um wanted to talk about it a little bit so uh very unfortunate very unfortunate but it was incredibly memorable
1: if he come I mean obviously hindsight is 2020 but if he comes out on stage winning best actor and talks about jada and how inappropriate that joke was and how much it infuriated him and how it was everything he could do not to come up on stage and like he's a hero like everybody's talking about that speech and how amazing will smith is
0: right there were many different ways he could have handled it that would have resulted in different headlines today you know he could have walked out of the theater at that moment, you know, that's another thing he could have done. So, uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, those are our thoughts on what went down at the Oscars. We are going to try to move on and talk about a different topic now. (laughs) After all that, let's get to what we've been watching. Uh, been watching a few things. I watched the movie Jackass forever. (laughs) There's a transition. (laughs) (laughs) Talk I mean, about not, people there's, getting there's a
3: slapped
0: in the there. face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually made a TikTok about Jackass Forever, which is a movie that I greatly enjoyed. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of the Jackass series. Uh, Jackass Forever is streaming on Paramount Plus. It came out a couple months ago in theaters. I was really bummed to not be able to watch it in theaters. It came out right around the time of Omicron, and so I was like, I'm not going to go to the theater to watch Jackass Forever. But Paramount Plus streaming right now, and so very excited. I've watched every single Jackass movie in theaters until this one.
1: My understanding is um, Jackass Forever was made 14 years ago, right?
0: <laughs> Perhaps. I mean, was it? I think it was supposed to come out in 2020, right? Or something. Yeah, it was.
1: The, it, <laughs> it, is, it was supposed to come out. I was seeing, the, you know, trailers in the theater. It was one of those trailers that I uh, did not avoid because, you know, how do you spoil a Jackass movie? Um, but uh, and I also had no plans to see it. But uh, so yeah, I remember, I remember the Jackass trailers, uh, you know. 14 years ago it seems If it, it feels like it feels like you in, in the before times there was the jackass forever trailer uh
0: now i was i was pretty shocked that jeff canada not only had basically never seen any jackass movies or jackass show but like that you kind of turned your nose up at it jeff canada like you you know because for me it's kind of similar to wrestling which is something that you're really into um, it has yeah, a kind we, of theatricality and creativity of wrestling, right? We um, we we
1: discussed that uh, via via text. Yes, I I, I take umbrage with, with with that uh, comparison, but yes, uh, I I kind of see where you're coming from on it. I don't think I mean I am I am um, not equipped, having really not watched them in their entirety. I'm not equipped to <laughs> uh, to argue against any of the Jackass movies. I just. It just comes down to the fact that I I have had absolutely zero interest in watching them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't watch wrestling just to see people injure themselves. Uh, and right. you made it clear that there's more to the Jackass movies than that. Right. Um, that's not why I go to wrestling. I, I I go to, you know, for the theatricality of it, for the... Yeah, uh, yeah well,
0: yeah. I, I would say two things about Jackass Forever and the Jackass movies in general, which is that... I think it's it's more than just people injuring themselves. I think it is first of all like many of the stunts are genuinely creative, you know, um they it's, there's this kind of expectation of like you actually literally don't know what is going to happen uh when they start a stunt going down its pathway and there's this kind of thrill and catharsis when it actually happens of like watching it play out. But the second thing that I think appeals to a lot of people about Jackass is it occurs to me that And I, I, you know, this is a really bad week for me to state this theory, but it occurs to me that men in general, uh, my my massage therapist once told me something. She said, (laughs) she said, most people don't like to, like a lot of men don't like to get massages because they're not used to being touched in any context that's outside of fighting or romance, right? That those are the only two contexts in which men are used to being touched. And this as stupid and as terrible and as awful and as painful and humiliating as many of these stunts are, it is how these men bond with each other. Like they clearly have an incredibly deep and in some ways heartwarming friendship that is brought closer by the fact that they've endured these horrific trials together. Uh, and people enjoy that camaraderie. And I think that's another reason why people are drawn to the Jackass movies. Let me pause here. Caroline Sita, have you watched any Jackass? And if so, have you, do you find any of that convincing at all?
2: Well, no. Unfortunately, I'm on Jeff's side here. I've really <laughs> kind of stayed away from the Jackass franchise for my whole life. You know, like it would be on TV sometimes. I was aware of it, but it was never something that I sought out. Although I don't, I can't explain why, but somehow you saying the sentence, Jackass Forever is streaming on Paramount Plus, was a real just like we're living in the future moment. Like everything about that <laughs> sentence felt so bizarre to mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's my main takeaway from it's, it's the It's at the top of Paramount Mountain.
0: It's at the top of yeah, Paramount exactly. Mountain, exactly. So Yeah,
2: Maybe now's the time for me to finally take the Jackass journey. Um, I, I will say, Do you I have don't to know watch that I would... order
1: Dave or you get lost. Is yeah, that <laughs> are
0: the,
2: are, are, is the, the character arcs really satisfying if you binge them all?
0: No. And, and I mean, that's what I will say is there's no real through line to any of these movies. It is just a bunch of kind of assorted stunts. They are paced pretty well, but yeah, you don't need to, you don't need to watch the other ones to watch this one. I will say that the stunts in this one did feel quite a bit crueler than they have been in the past. Um, And a little bit more mean spirited, and also they use they lean a lot more on animals in this one, which I'm not a fan of. Like, you know, um, because the animals don't have a choice in the matter. Uh, But uh, yeah, I I would say you can get get a good sense of the Jackass movies from watching Jackass Forever. Oh, also, um, enormous amount of male genitalia mutilated in this in this movie, like way more than in previous films. Cool so,
1: and genital mutilation. <laughs>
0: you really selling us. I mean, in many ways, that is what our society needs right now. You know, is it? Um, so I'm just putting that out there. Anyway, Jackass Forever. It's on Paramount Plus. I enjoyed it. <laughs> didn't didn't love it as much as the other Jackasses. Um, but if you have been wanting to watch <laughs> Jackass guys do their thing, I think you will not be disappointed by Jackass Forever. Uh, <laughs> so there it is, Caroline. You and I have had the chance to watch Moon Knight. We have.
1: So jealous. I haven't had a chance yet.
0: Upcoming series on Disney+. Plus. I think by the time you listen to this, it might already be out, or it will be out shortly. This is Oscar Isaac starring as the titular character. And uh, how many episodes did you watch, Caroline? I watched four. I watched two and a half. And basically, Disney has a very strict policy they they make you sign all these forms that are like (laughs) you may not watch this in the presence of anyone even in the room with you Mm -hmm. and then uh and these links will expire at this time so i I got through like two and a half and then i went to finish it and you know and then the link expired so i got two and a half episodes um i really enjoyed the what i saw but i also heard that episode one is the peak and it goes downhill from there caroline is somebody who watched four what do you think
2: That was similar to my experience, Um, although I will say I feel like it was purposeful that they sent four just because there are different tones and like different twists and turns that happen. So I think that that made me curious to see sort of how the last two episodes will wrap something up. Mm -hmm. What I really liked about the show, and this will just go obviously no spoilers, but just even more than no spoilers, like what I liked was kind of knowing like almost nothing about the show going in. Like I Mm -hmm. thought that was a very fun way to experience it. Yeah. So like, I guess that would be my main takeaway just from, from checking them out is like, I feel like a good way to go into this show is, is knowing very little and just letting its strange sort of intentionally confusing journey take you in. And I also think Oscar Isaac is just making like, full on bonkers acting choices. Yes.
0: Uh, he <laughs> In a he way is that so good. Like yeah, yeah. Go, yeah. Go, ahead. go ahead.
2: No, no, no. I mean, yeah, I just feel like we don't usually see that kind of somewhat over the top character acting from him and and I found that very satisfying and entertaining to watch.
0: First of all, it's interesting you bring up the point about going in completely fresh. I don't think we've ever heard that viewpoint brought up on this podcast before. So so I'm glad that you're repping it. It's almost Uh,
1: like most things are better uh, that way. Yeah, it's (laughs) interesting.
0: I'm glad to be exposed to new and different points of view.
2: Yeah, I really Um, like the controversial opinions here.
0: Yeah. uh, But yeah, Oscar Isaac is a a really good reason to watch Moon Knight. Uh, He is, like you said, making some really interesting choices. Um, Reminds me a lot of Tom Hardy's work in the Venom franchise, to be honest with you, Um, for a variety of reasons. But yeah, I think uh, worth watching just to check out Oscar Isaac in the MCU. So Moon Knight uh, premieres shortly on Disney Plus, and there's going to be six episodes. So yeah, Um, March 30th is when Moon Knight premieres on Disney Plus. Caroline, you also had a chance to watch Turning Red, right? I did. Yeah. Well, since the
2: Oscars were fully brought to us by Disney, I just had to come on here and only discuss Disney properties and (laughs) Pixar properties. Um, Yeah, I just think Turning Red is such a lovely, unusual Pixar vehicle. Pixar is not always my, I don't quite always love their output as much as sort of the general consensus seems to be. But I think Turning Red is just a little bit weirder and more idiosyncratic than a lot of their stuff. It's about a teenage girl who loves boy bands and turns into a giant red panda and the movie just like embraces this exuberance of being like a preteen girl and the weird mix of confidence and insecurity that comes with that and just a really moving friendship story and a really moving mother-daughter story so I was just a huge fan of this movie and I'm glad it's so accessible to people
0: uh we were all big fans on the podcast as well davindra liked it i enjoyed it uh and it was a lot of fun great soundtrack as well mm-hmm. uh the the boy band music was really felt authentic um probably because it was composed by billy eilish and phineas i believe at least in part so really good stuff turning red is streaming right now on disney plus and that's what caroline's been watching this week
3: We'd like to take a moment to thank the world of microdosing, or specifically the microdose gummies from our sponsor, Lumi Labs. You've probably seen articles about the idea of microdosing. It's actually been featured on some TV shows, too. It's uh, commonly associated with things like psychedelics and uh, wellness and performance enhancement. It's a really new concept, but there do seem to be a lot of benefits. We wanted to highlight our sponsor, Microdose Gummies, because I found they deliver a really great entry-level dose of uh, THC and CBD that just helps you feel kind of chill and good. And I really like the way they taste. I've been taking CBD oils and, you know, other things for a while. For when I feel stressful or just anxious, uh, when I do fly, uh, they've always been a useful thing. And I find similar benefits from Microdose Gummies, except they're, you know, in nice little sweet, chewable candies. If you've tried CBD products before and you're just looking for something a little different, I think microdose gummies are worth a try. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, you could just do a quick search online or go to microdose.com and use code filmcast to get free shipping. Links can be found in the show description, but again, that's microdose.com and code filmcast. Jeff Canada, what are you watching this week? I was excited
1: to see uh, season two of a show I very much enjoyed uh, season one of. Uh, it is an HBO Max series called Starstruck. Listeners of the show will remember me talking about it whenever that was. <laughs> and the, and the years all flow together into a malaise. But uh, I really enjoyed the first season of Starstruck. My wife and I both watched it. Uh, it stars uh, Rose Matafeo, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, who is very charming. Uh, basically, this is uh, Notting Hill, the, the the show. This is a... a uh,
0: it's a reverse Notting Hill. Right?
1: Reverse Notting Hill, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a, um, uh, a young woman who's just an average person in London, and she happens to uh, get into a relationship with someone who's a big-time movie star. Um, that is uh, Nikesh Patel, who plays the movie star... And you know it's 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 that story of uh, how do you um you know how do these two very disparate lives uh work out work together um but I find the show very charming very fun she in particular is very very charming it is very um it, it is very quirky it is not I don't think it it you know hews to the formula of a Notting Hill uh strictly I think it it, it really feels a little fresh and. Uh, fun and unexpected in moments uh i really loved season 1 season 1 ended in a very specific way season 2 i haven't watched uh all of it yet but um it seems to do a bit of a of a reboot on, i mean not a reboot but you know a a sort of a resetting of the table uh to to maintain uh the dynamic of season 1 in a way that felt perhaps a little bit of a cheat to me. Uh, but I also thought it was, you know, it's kind of a clever way to do that. Uh, anyway, I'm enjoying it. I think it is a uh, a show I don't hear many people talk about, but I think it deserves more love. Starstruck it is, what it is, it is what it is called, and it is on HBO Max.
0: Yeah, season two is what Jeff's been watching. Jeff, what else have you been watching?
1: Well, you recommend, last week, recommended the uh, Netflix film Windfall. And I watched that this week, and like you, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, very good, um, very so interesting. L- so
0: let's let's talk about the premise of Windfall, if that's okay with you, Jeff. Yeah, that's fine with me. Yeah. So uh, we didn't talk about the premise last week because uh, you hadn't watched it yet. But we, I'm going to reveal the premise of Windfall. So if you don't want to know the premise of Charlie McDowell's new film on Netflix, uh, t- you know, uh, take a break, uh, come back and like uh, skip forward couple minutes but uh the the plot summary from windfall for imdb is a man breaks into a tech billionaire's empty vacation home but things go sideways when the arrogant mogul and his wife arrive for a last minute getaway uh so it's kind of this three-hander that takes place all in one location at this tech billionaire's house and jesse Plemons plays the tech billionaire and it it is a role i don't think i've ever seen him do this kind of role before. yeah he's
1: awesome he's He's
0: just like a raging asshole
1: Raging asshole, but also, you know, Jesse Plemons sort of has carved out a niche of being uh, sort of, um, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman-esque kind of oddballs, right? His characters are all very, um, um, you know, very different. Uh, They they don't, you know, they're very strange characters. And I loved seeing him as the sort of, you know, guy we all know. Like, there's there's, (laughs) there's nothing – he – he feels like you know Jason Segel is also in this. It feels like Jason Segel most people would cast Jason Segel as that part, right? And mm-hmm. uh and uh, uh Plemons as as the other role because it's more sort of anguished and uh internal and tortured, you know, anguished and tortured are synonyms. I didn't need to say both. Um <laughs> the, <laughs> the but I loved like you, I loved seeing him in this part. It was so cool to have him be this like super confident uh you know dick but, but but like in a way that I've never seen him play before and he totally sells out. I mean I watched this right before seeing him nominated for an Academy Award for Power of the Dog. I think his work in this far outshines his work in Power of the oh Dog. Oh my
0: gosh. Not even close. He, he's far better in this in my well, just because it's a much more interesting role. I
1: yes, think. more to do. Yeah.
0: Yeah more to do. Um Caroline Sita, you heard of Windfall? You have any thoughts on this one?
2: I have seen the trailer for it. Actually, Jeff, you may have been jealous of me watching moon Knight, but your two things are both top of my list to catch up on. So oh, I'm cool. jealous of your viewing as well. I'm excited mm-hmm. to watch windfall and I'm very excited for starstruck season two.
1: Oh, did you enjoy season one?
2: Yeah, I really loved Isn't it. it. Great. It's, been, a, it's just a lovely yeah, it's show. So charming.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I thought windfall was very uh, thought provoking and cool. It felt, um, uh, you know, I don't want to use the word Hitchcockian, but, you know, it's got it's got the. But it's,
0: it's Hitchcockian. I mean, it's it cr- is. I think it's clearly trying to evoke Hitchcock. Well, ways. the ads have definitely been selling yeah. it that way.
1: It is it is presented and scored in particularly yes, scored, scored like an yeah. old time movie. You know, yeah. the, the beginning is the, the way, uh, you know, opening credits used to be with sort of a static shot and just like big bombastic horns in the score over, you know, the names that come up. And it does feel like it's presenting itself like a movie from the you know 30s and 40s. Um, and, uh, and, and it's basically a play, right? It's, it is people talking and there's some really, uh, interesting turns and, and, uh, I, you know, I didn't love the end, but I thought it was, I thought it was a very satisfying, fun watch and it's 90 minutes. It's brisk, you know, yeah. it's, it's great.
0: A lot of people, a lot of people weren't satisfied by how it landed, but, um, I, I, I dug it, I dug it, I, I yeah. enjoyed it. And, um. I mean, I think the problem, too, is the first 30 minutes are awesome. Yeah. yeah. They're they're so good and so well paced. Yeah. And it just, you know, the the last two thirds, unfortunately, I don't think can quite measure up to that first third where it's really exciting. You're finding out like where all these people stand and how they relate to each other. Um, But overall, I I enjoyed it. I'd recommend. So also it's it's a movie
1: where, uh, you know, for a, a large bit of it, people are acting in a pretty smart way and then at a certain point they they stop they stop being smart and
0: yeah, you can yeah. kind
1: of attribute that to the heightened tension in in the circumstances but i also feel like i just want people to be smart the whole movie you know
0: <laughs> just do the smart <laughs> thing you know yeah you want you want people to do you know i love the way you put it i think it was when we were talking about the movie green room you're like the, you want the characters to do stuff that you wish you could think of
1: yeah right? exactly
0: you're like oh man i, I can't believe i like i I would have wanted to think of that, but I don't think I was capable, you know, but I would have wanted to be smarter than me and go like,
1: Oh, brilliant. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That instead of sitting
0: there going, Hey idiot, just do the thing. You know, I I mean, to be fair, they do make some moves that are pretty smart, but I
1: I just feel like toward the end, it it gets less and less smart, but I I agree. Again, I can attribute that to the rising tension, but also that's, that, that was the only problem I had with the ending. Really?
0: All right, that's Windfall. It's streaming right now on Netflix, and Jeff and I both enjoyed it. Let's get to Weekly Plugs, folks. Weekly Weekly Plugs, the part of the show where we plug something else that we've made. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, after the Oscars, I did a Twitter space uh, with a couple of folks that people might recognize. Uh, Miles McNutt uh, been a guest in the film cast before, as well as uh, my colleague, Michael Coyado, who does uh, TikToks about TV and film. Uh, we ended up talking for almost two hours, and there was about 1,000 concurrent listeners in that space at one point in time. Um, I have recorded the audio. I've posted it on my Patreon. You can also listen to it on Twitter. Um, thanks to everyone who tuned in. And if you want to hear... Further thoughts about the Oscars uh, beyond the 50 minutes we spent talking about it tonight, check out the post-Oscars Twitter space that I did uh, over on patreon.com slash Dave Chen, available for anyone to listen to. Caroline Sita, what's your weekly plug?
2: Yeah, well, this will be a kind of a lead-in to our main discussion on The Lost City, but when I was... Writing my column, When Romance Met Comedy for the AV Club, I wrote one that was about what I dubbed adventure romances, which specifically I was looking at the African Queen, Romancing the Stone, and The Mummy, the Brendan Fraser Mummy, as sort of this like subgenre of rom-coms through an adventure lens and sort of specifically how the gender dynamics of that are different than you'd get in like an Indiana Jones or a National Treasure movie and it was just a time in the column when I was looking at sort of a whole subgenre within rom-coms, which was fun for me and, and I think relevant for The Lost City. So I'll point people that way if they want more people falling in love in the jungle and or the desert.
0: All right. Check that column out at avclub.com. Jeff Canada, your weekly plug.
1: Well, I think folks that listen to the show might be aware that I sell limericks over at cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata. Uh, but this is, uh, my plug's kind of a twofer because Ooh. friend and listener Will Harris purchased a cameo this week with the explicit explicit intent of having me read it on the show and he did it as a gift to me to commemorate the fact that my, uh, my long-running tabletop role-playing show, The Dungeon Run, uh is is this the my portion of it is coming to a close on wednesday so uh our the last episode with me my story that has lasted about 440 hours uh, which is a story i crafted that we told uh one continuous adventure tale i am so proud of it i think it is um it is one of the best things i've ever done in my life <laughs> and uh it's coming to a close on wednesday it's the the final episode of my story and uh, Will purchased a cameo uh, to commemorate that moment, and uh, asked if I would read it uh, in the uh, in the um, the weekly plug section. So, Okay,
0: wow, this is this is a custom weekly plugs content.
1: Custom we- weekly plugs content. Paid I mean, for. put put, pa- it, I mean. put
0: aside the fact that it's always custom weekly plugs content, but this was <laughs> this was paid for.
1: Yes. Uh, so this is uh, this is my <laughs> my message uh, from Will to me. Uh, or from me to me. I don't know how you want to frame it. A reminder from a trusted friend that all good things must come to an end. Recall when it's gone, the journey was long, and the joy you had playing pretend.
0: That's very lovely. Very lovely. Congratulations, Jeff, on Thanks. completing a run. Uh, yeah, kudos. Uh, yeah.
1: Thank you. Yeah, so if if anybody listening wants to check out that show, uh, it is on Twitch, twitch.tv slash The Dungeon Run. It is on youtube you can find it by searching for the dungeon run uh, it is also an audio podcast works great as an audio podcast works like a uh, like an audio book i do hundreds of voices the cast does voices um and again it is uh it is something i am extraordinarily proud of and uh attempting to stick the landing on wednesday so and if you'd like a a, a cameo if you'd like a, your own message from me a a crafted bespoke limerick for any occasion you can go to cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata.
0: It sounds like the real dungeon run was the friends you made along the way. Jeff. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I think you've, I think you've got it, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You're exactly right. Thank you. Nailed it. Well, other weekly plugs. Um, if you want to support this podcast, very easy to do that. Go to patreon.com slash film podcast, where you can sign up for ad free episodes and exclusive afterdarks. Sometimes we do things like retrospectives of the scream series, as well as reviewing Koganata's other film, Columbus. Um, sometimes we talk about Jeff's colonoscopy, which is currently on the schedule for today. So, you know. <laughs> There's a tease. Yeah, it's indeed. It's just a lot of variety to be found. At, Only because I've had
1: it today. Literally today.
0: No, I, I think I would request that to be a topic no matter what. I, right. I don't think it's time based. Um, but patreon.com slash film podcast, that is how you can support this show. Of course, it's very easy to support us for no money. All you got to do is go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcast, leave a star rating or a review. We never want you to donate if it in any way causes you financial hardship. Um, so we appreciate any way you can support us. You can just also just share about the podcast on your social medias. That also helps a bunch. All right, folks, let's get to our review of The Lost City. You led me straight to The Lost City. Now. Prepare to die. There are just hundreds of snakes in this temple just waiting for us to show up.
1: What? Why aren't they biting that guy? This is
0: ridiculous. Delete. 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 Ugh. Listen, Loretta,
3: we need you to promote your new book on The Lost City. You can't spend your life in the bathtub drinking Chardonnay with eyes.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, the world's sexiest cover model,
0: Dash McMahon! Dash McMahon. You do know you're not Dash, right? Dash is a character I made up. Dash! Oh my God. Oh, crap. Miss Sage, I enjoyed your book about the Lost City, and I believe you're the one who could help me find its treasure.
1: I have to respectfully decline. I'm afraid I must insist. Unchain me!
3: That's your seatbelt.
0: That was from the trailer for The Lost City. Uh, The newest film by directors Aaron Nee and Adam Nee. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. A reclusive romance novelist on a book tour with her cover model gets swept up in a kidnapping attempt that lands them both in a cutthroat jungle adventure. So uh, we were talking in the break during the trailer playing about whether or not we should have spoiler section for this movie. And I, I don't think it's really necessary. This is a romantic comedy for the most part. It's like a, and what is the term you use for it? Caroline? Adventure what? romance. An adventure romance. And I think, you know, they they can be good ones and bad ones, but in general, people sort of understand the formula for this. A roam venture. Yeah. There, there are a handful of, surprises. Ahead, <laughs> yes, <laughs> adventure and romance. There's a handful of surprises. Um so uh I but I think we are going to just say like we're, we're going to be full spoilers from the top. Um so if you don't want to know anything about the movie, just go Dave, check it
1: out. Dave yep. can't be bothered not spoiling this movie. Is is, is <laughs> the
0: the, <laughs> I, the the urge to spoil is so irresistible. <laughs> I mean, how about this? Let's do a quick thing where we just say should people see this movie? Caroline, Sita?
2: I think this movie is perfectly fine i don't think it's very good i don't think it's bad so i think if you see the trailers and they look like they appeal to you and it looks like a fun day out go for it but if it doesn't seem like it it'll appeal to you i don't think it's breaking the genre in a way you should seek out so there, there's my little like b minus review for you
0: wow okay uh it sounds like i enjoyed the movie more than you i had a really good time with this one um i thought uh Sandra Bullock is luminous and uh, it's always great to see Channing Tatum in a role uh, in a comedic role, which he is in this movie. And this is a movie again, of the kind that we don't see that often in theaters anymore. It's not based off of an existing IP. It's a mid budget adult skewing movie. Uh, And it did really well at the box office, encouragingly well made over $30 million, uh, which is huge for a movie of this kind, especially uh, in the post beginning of COVID era. So, I think this is a really fun movie, a great time at the theater, and uh, I had a lot of fun with it. Jeff Kanata, what were your overall thoughts on The Lost City?
3: Well, Dave,
1: I guess you could say my overall thoughts on The Lost City are best summed up in the form of a limerick. Interesting. Okay. Movies. Our job (laughs) is to rate them. The good (laughs) and the bad, we debate them. But sometimes there's one that's not great, but it's fun. I just liked watching Bullock and Tatum.
0: <laughs> Delightful, Jeff. That was very, very good. Also, yeah, gotta love any, well. any limerick that starts with movies,
1: you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is like, you you watch this movie and you go, I get why movie stars are movie stars.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because they can carry this kind of thing. It's just fun to watch people with this amount of charm in this level of budget be fun with each other. And there are a lot of really famous people uh, in this movie that I think are doing pretty good work. There's nothing in the movie that is, that insults your intelligence and it's, it's fun. I laughed a lot. I had, uh, I had a good time. There was some fun surprises. Uh, I, I just felt like it's one of those movies that, you know, it's a, it's an easy, fun time at the theater. Or when this comes to streaming, I think this is going to be the perfect streaming movie. Put it on on a Friday night, grab a bowl of popcorn and smile and have a good time and understand why movie stars are movie stars. Sandra Bullock is just never bad in anything. She's so good. And, and you totally buy her and you, you love her and you want to be along on the ride with her. And Channing Tatum being self-effacing and goofy is just delightful. I had a great time with this movie. I had a really great time. I expected not
0: to like it at all and had a blast. Wow. I didn't I didn't know you expected not to like it at all. Why why is that, Jeff? Do you just not like uh, these kinds of movies? Have well, you not appreciated the previous adventure
1: romances? No, no, no. I, I Romancing the Stone is a is an old favorite of mine, but um and Jewel of the Nile. Yeah.
0: Um but, but you, maybe you just thought this one couldn't live up to. Them.
1: Well, I, rem- I, I remember Devendra uh, speaking, uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, unkindly about uh, his expectation for I just assumed it was going to be one of those movies that we were all going to be like, man, it's not very good. Uh, so, you know, I kind of based it on the level of excitement that you guys had about reviewing this one. But uh, I just I, I found it to be really fun, really fun. I mean, it's not, you know not winning any oscars but it's just kind of one of those old school movies where you just you put it on you have a good time and that's that
0: i was kind of excited just because it's been a while since a movie of this kind has done so well at the box office and i had a feeling it would do well and it did do well you know and uh these are the kinds of movies people say are dying and it's like it's it's just nice every once in a while when a movie like this gets a win you know uh, that said, Caroline, sounds like you weren't as, maybe even weren't as big of a fan as we were of this movie. Like, what were some of your issues, if any, uh, mm-hmm. you know, beyond the realm of the actual, uh, the constraints of the genre, I should say?
2: Yeah, well, I, I do think part of it is that I I do really like rom-coms. I wrote about them for a long time. And I think sort of anytime you're really in a genre. You just become more critical of it, right? Like horror fans are going to be the most critical of the new horror movie. Whereas if I don't watch a lot of horror movies or whatever, I'm like, oh, that was cool and fun and original. So I think it probably didn't help this movie that I am so familiar with these kind of tropes. And I think I've seen a lot of them done better. To me, this movie felt like a very compromised product. Like I... Cannot remember the last time I, I saw a movie that had as much ADR as this movie it's had. True. Like it,
0: it's true, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yep.
2: Yeah. No, no, you're fine. It just feels like they panicked about trusting what they had, or trusting the chemistry of the actors, which is by far the best part, or trusting the physical comedy, which is also a huge asset. So it feels like they took something that was like a really like a good core and then panicked about it and sort of um Added things on top. And actually, I was feeling that way when I was watching it. And I saw this movie at the uh, world premiere at South by Southwest, actually. So that was sort of also the specific context in which I was seeing it. And a sort of little fascinating detail to emerge from that is that um, Sandra Bullock and Daniel Radcliffe were both there promoting the movie, along with the directors and a couple other people. And at the Q&A afterwards, where Sandra Bullock was incredibly charming and charismatic and everything you would want her to be, she had this very telling moment where she sort of you know, was saying it was so great that everyone supported this movie. And then she said something along the lines of, you know, Paramount, I know you guys are out in the audience, you trusted us, you didn't trust us completely, but thank you for trusting us, like a little bit of of an edge edge to like, yes, did you maybe take something that was in one tone and shift it. And that felt like it really confirmed a feeling I was having throughout the movie. And so I think it's just that little edge of compromise that takes it down a notch from, from where I think it could be like the potential that it has.
0: Um, yeah. So let's just, I just want to explain a little bit more, elaborate a little bit more on what you said. So you were saying you, you haven't seen a movie with as much ADR as this. So ADR is basically when actors go back into a recording studio and record, like they either, re-record lines that they already said on set, but then like the audio equipment was malfunctioning or they didn't catch it for some reason. And so then they splice in the new recordings in as though they were recorded on set. Or it can be an opportunity as it was in this movie to add in jokes that didn't even appear when they actually filmed it. So many times throughout the movie, there'll be a character like walking off screen and you don't see their face anymore. And then they like spit out a one-liner but you don't see it. So they just like, and it doesn't sound like they recorded it on set. So they just like kind of splice it in afterwards.
1: You can be, you can be pretty certain that if a, a, in any movie, if a character says something and you don't see them say it, it was ADR.
0: Yeah. C- Cause in general, you'd want to show them saying it, right? Yeah. There's no, if you're, if you're mean,
1: on the reaction of the other p- person and you hear someone say something, usually it means that, they needed to have some exposition or the scene was unclear. And so they went in later and went, and and that's why my father died, you know? And, then it's, like, <laughs> and it's like, oh, and then yeah. you just see the reaction of their face of the, oh. But uh, if, you know. Well, well,
0: sometimes it does make sense to show the dramatic, like for dramatic reasons, it makes sense to show the reaction. But in general, I think you're right, Jeff.
1: Right? Yeah. Um, I would say. Most times, yeah, you, like you know. nine, like ninety five percent of the time, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're you're, yeah. you're right.
0: Um, but every now and then, it's like, hey, it makes sense to show the person's reaction shot. But I, I think you're right that, like in general, it's an ADR thing if you don't see the person moving their lips. And in this movie, it just felt like literally every scene there was like like one eighty yard line in there. Um, so it, it's interesting. Like my my sense, Caroline, from watching it was that what they had was probably originally more. Contemplative, right, and perhaps more emotional, and they wanted to lard it up with all these jokes and one-liners. That's kind of what my sense was. Is that was was that kind of your feeling as well?
2: That could easily be. It definitely feels like there were supposed to be more moments of silence that they fill in with jokes that don't quite fit. I also wonder if this was supposed to be more of an R-rated comedy because originally mm-hmm. it was released under the title of The Lost City of D. Which is still within the movie what her like Sandra Bullock's characters uh, romance novels called, but I feel like there was this real real shift where Paramount changed the name to the Lost City, and I was like, oh, I wonder if they if there was a tone shift along with that title shift because La- the Lost City of D is just a little bit more of a provocative title, <laughs> so I wonder if there was if there was a slightly different tone, and then maybe the the ADR was like slightly more PG thirteen appropriate jokes. Yeah, That got swapped in. I mean, this is total speculation on my part. I have no idea, but that was one guess that I had.
0: I will say one thing that continues to surprise me, and then we can move off this topic of ADR, is I am shocked at how bad slash obvious ADR continues to be after all these decades. Like, it's just... When, when I hear ADR lines, it jars me out of the movie because I think, that, because it, I, I think yeah. that's atypical Dave.
1: I, I think, I think that is your, uh, knowledge of film and filmmaking. I think yeah, sure, most, but sure. my parents have no clue when something is ADR, no
0: interesting, clue. Interesting. Yeah. Do you think your parents so, do? No, I mean they're, they're not even. Usually, they're not even understanding the lines in English. Well, they're reading the subtitles. But yes, fair enough. I, I, you, you know, I you think know you know might I mean, be, But do, do you notice it though, Jeff? Do you notice it when it's ADR? Uh, yeah, yeah. But but yeah. I think
1: that we are uh, a, a subset, a, a very small yeah. subset of the viewing public. I think the vast majority of the people have no idea that something is even
0: ADR. still. Though I'm surprised that the, the like the audio technology has not gotten to the level where it can be seamless. You know what I'm saying? Um, because there are definitely. Amazing things that like I saw a video on Vox.com about how like anytime you see Spider-Man in any Spider-Man movie, it's basically a digital body double. It's not really Spider-Man. Like like 99 percent of the time it's a digital body double. And it's just like, wow, there, there's scenes where I could have sworn that was a real life Spider-Man um in a suit, and it's not really Spider-Man. And it's like most of the time it's it's just more useful and practical to have a digital body double. And so I would think that like we could have achieved something similar in the audio realm where you can't even tell that it's recorded at a separate time. But every single time, I always hear it. Anyway, very specific issue. Very specific issue. Let's talk about the cast, some of the cameos, some of the things that happened in this movie. Can we... Um, I thought, you know, yeah.
1: Caroline brought up Daniel Radcliffe. And I, and yes. I think... That dude is great in this movie. So good. So good. He, he's I feel like funny. he's found his niche. Like, he, you <laughs> know, play the villain, Daniel Radcliffe. This is great. I need to I, uh, choose some scenery, buddy. I am all in it. Uh, I also had the thought, like, if you have a British accent and you go to purchase an all-white suit— you need to be put on a watch list. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> he is awesome. Really, tune up the scenery, and yeah, playing super evil character uh, with a plum. I I really enjoyed him. Caroline, any thoughts? Any more thoughts on Radcliffe?
2: Yeah, he's super fun. I like like to see the weird paths his post Potter career has taken, and I agree. This is like a nice. I feel like the more he leans into weirdness, kind of the better it is, and this is very a good use of that kind of like innate weirdness that he can have.
0: Uh, Brad Pitt shows up in this movie, and it feels like Brad Pitt is finally arriving at the point in his career where he's embracing being kind of hot, older dude in action movies, smoking right? hot. It,
1: it, I love the fact that the only person you could get that's that makes Channing Tatum look like a schmuck, you know, like <laughs> the, I, it's so brilliant. It's so I I, I really give the movie a lot of credit because Channing Tatum, you know, one of the sexiest men alive, you know, the freaking uh, uh, magic Mike, right. Uh, And then, like, you got to have somebody that makes him feel, like, unattractive schmuck, you know? Yes. The only man on the planet
0: (laughs) that could do that. (laughs) It's so great. It's so great. So, I'm going to give away what happens to Brad Pitt. So, again, we're not really having spoilers for this movie, but uh, I was like, are they really going to have Brad Pitt in the whole movie? And, of course, um, he is killed off... uh, probably like 15 minutes after he's introduced 20, you know, maybe half an hour after he's introduced. Uh, and I, I really love that moment. Cause it's, it's kind of like something from like you'd see in the Simpsons or something where like, mm-hmm. yeah. he has this moment of like deep and profound connection with Sandra Bullock's character. Cause they both like know the same Latin or whatever. And then of course, immediately afterwards he's shot in the head. I just thought that was like a brilliant kind of. Well, he's,
1: the, he's the real dash, right? Yes. Channing Tatum is, is, you know, his character plays dash. Yes, poses as Dash, but Brad Jack Trainer is Dash, right? And
0: he is the legit article, and it's just like it's it's just it's one of those things that's so tragic to kind of find someone that you connect with probably on a soulmate level, and then they're killed immediately. Like it's so sad that it's funny you know what i'm saying like that's how sad it is mm-hmm. so i enjoyed that a lot um
2: i wonder if that sort of energy because i agree that's a really like fun subversive moment like that's a moment you're really not expecting from this movie and again in my like little conspiracy theory brain i'm sort of wondering <laughs> if that was the more subversive tone that they had that the studio mm. was like make it more just like a nice romance
0: right right um Maybe Channing Tatum had learned a lot from his 21, 22 Jump Street days and was trying to make it more (laughs) uh, sort of uh, satirical and uh, it became more conventional in the edit. Yeah. Um, Did any of you see the post-credit sequence?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: With Brad Pitt. Caroline, what happens in the post-credit sequence?
2: My memory is that we see Loretta and Alan, Sandra and Channing doing yoga and then... Brad Pitt shows up and is alive. <laughs> is that is that right? It's been a little bit since I've seen it.
0: That's correct, and he like willed he willed himself back to life. Is my understanding so right? He
2: only because you only use ten percent of your brain, so he just used a different ten percent of his brain.
0: Yes. By the way, not actually a true fact for those who are, are curious, but you know, um, I guess it works in the context of the film, uh, and 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 opens the door for these people to come back uh, in uh, a different uh, different adventure in the future. Let me ask you Caroline Sita like when you're watching an adventure romance like you, you talked a little bit about the tone right we talked about like how this this one's tone felt a little bit too um po- populist is that the right word you know whatever whatever the word is lowbrow perhaps right um what do you look for that makes a movie like this great in a way that you don't think this one
2: was mm-hmm. well i think what this movie does well where this movie comes close to being great and maybe is great in moments is in the Sandra Bullock Channing Tatum chemistry. Mm -hmm. Like every time they were together, I was like, this is the movie I want to watch. And then my problems were that the movie kept cutting off to other stuff. And I was like, you don't need to do that. Like just put them in the jungle and that's your whole movie. Mm -hmm. And again, I think that was maybe like, they didn't quite trust it, but I think that Channing Tatum is kind of giving like a revelatory performance in this movie. Actually, he was my favorite part of it. This really reminds me of what was his pre-Magic Mike breakout or pre-Step Up, actually, breakout movie was She's the Man, an Amanda Bynes comedy from like 2006 or something like that, where he was just this like teen rom-com lead that was this really funny, you know, dumb as a bag of rocks, himbo, handsome guy. And he's kind of played that in his other roles since then, but there's like a certain sweetness that he taps into when he's in the rom-com genre that is so endearing and I think is is all the best stuff about The Lost City is like how much Alan is in love with Loretta just unquestionably unquestionably the entire time. It's not like they're oil and water and they have to learn to love each other. He's just like this sweet, dumb puppy dog that's in love with her the entire time and that's so endearing to watch and, and Channing Tatum plays it so well. And so I wish the movie had just trusted that to be enough to carry the whole thing.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So for you, it really lives and dies on the chemistry and this movie kind of had a little too much else going on, it sounds like.
2: Yeah, it was leaning towards that sort of just like modern studio comedy that I think they can be kind of noted to death by studios. They can be trying to appease too many different audiences at once and sometimes like less is more. And I think the moments when Lost City embraces that less is more philosophy are its strongest moments
0: all right well any other thoughts on the lost city or shall we wrap it up folks at the end of the day it's pretty impressive that adam and Aaron Nee made a movie yeah. in a jungle in a jungle some of it looked maybe like it could have been a green screen but yeah it, it did look like a lot of jungle stuff going on so much jungle stuff that i was wondering where's the rock guys
1: You know where I'm saying he's in the jungle, baby.
0: Stay tuned to your, we'll be discussing next week. In the meantime, I want to say that you can find more episodes of this podcast at the filmcast.com. Email us slash filmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from Tim McEwen from the midnight. Check out his new project varsity blue. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber, Kyle Hillinger. Our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by Beatty Zhang. Caroline, I want to say thank you again so much for filling in so capably for Davindra Hardwar while he's he out. We really appreciate it, Caroline. I forgot for he was even listening. ever
1: on the show. Yeah, was he?
0: <laughs> who? Dav- Davin who? Well, this is all part of
2: my my master plan I've been working on for years to take his spot.
1: Mm, well, it's going smoothly. It's working. It's working.
0: Uh, thanks so much for joining us, Caroline. Be sure to check out Caroline's work over at the Roll Calling Podcast um, if you enjoyed her here. Next week, Davindra... Was trying to avoid our next week's review so badly, he had a baby.
1: Yeah, that's the long con. That's what that is, yeah. it's the long con. Yeah. He but,
0: timed it so that he would not be here for our review of Morbius.
1: And then he would only have 20 years of taking care of another child.
0: <laughs> a worthwhile trade-off. Yeah,
1: it's pretty even, Steven.
0: I mean, I think this movie is probably going to be a catastrophe, but I'm hoping it's going to be interesting to talk about, you know? We'll see. Notably, I don't think anything else is coming out next week. Um, Morbius is the only wide release. I will say that in a few weeks, we will be reviewing Everything Everywhere all at once. Yeah. Uh, but that does not go wide until April 8th. But go see uh, it. So, but go see it. Go see it. Yes. Go see it. Don't don't read anything about it. Just go don't, see it. Just go see it. <laughs> Dave and just I have both see it. seen
1: it. We, we urge you our, our highest possible... <laughs> Urging.
0: In, in the strongest possible way. Caroline, did you see everything everywhere all at once? I did. And I would also encourage everyone to go it's see it. It's unanimous. Go see it. <laughs> should, should we also urge people to go see Morbius, guys? What do you think? I haven't seen that yet. So I don't know. Maybe. All right. Yeah. Morbius
2: is under two hours, which to me is like the biggest selling point oh it God. could have had. Incredible. So
0: you
1: said the best news ever.
0: My yeah. interest in Morbius has just increased <laughs> 150%. Yep. So. All right. Thanks, folks. We'll see you next week on The Thillcast.